0: Welcome to the NICU dad podcast, a podcast for NICU dads by NICU dads. I'm Alex Zavala, a father to two preemie girls, Mia, who was born at 30 weeks and Emerson, who was born at 27 weeks combined. My wife, Jen, and I both spent over hundred days in the NICU. After my last NICU experience, I started the NICU dad. I did this to try and fill the gap of information and support that was lacking for NICU dads. Be sure and check out the NICU and hopefully you will find it a useful resource. In this podcast, we will cover many topics that NICU parents face, but from the NICU dad's perspective. Topics such as premature birth, bereavement, PTSD, and many others. These dads who you'll hear share their stories in hope of letting other NICU dads know they are not alone. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with Dan Miller. Dan is a financial coach with Three Buckets Wealth Management based out of upstate New York. He is an avid reader, Mets fan, and a board member of the local Ronald McDonald House charities. Most importantly, he's a husband to his wife, Lindsay, and the proud father of Benny, a premature baby born on Christmas Day, 2019. Hey, Dan, I just want to thank you for being on here and, and being brave enough to share your story with us and your NICU experience. We really appreciate it, and if you don't mind if you want to go ahead and get started and tell us about your your NICU experience and probably from that early pregnancy and, and how things were going for you.
1: Sure, Alex. Yeah, thank you very much uh, for having me. Um, I will like to start by uh, thanking you for everything you're doing. Uh, I do remember pretty early in our NICU experience being on Google looking for some resources uh, on NICU parenting or what to do, uh, and, and I did uh, find your blog and your Instagram is really the only resource out there for NICU Dad. So uh, thank you for being here. And uh, I'm happy to be a small part of, of, of the uh, podcast today. I appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, we started at the beginning uh, of our, our story. My wife uh, found out she was pregnant. And at the same time, we found out in the ultrasound that there was something in her uterus called a fibroid, uh, which we uh, became experts on. Uh, basically, they are uh, fibroid is a cyst and we were told uh, this would be no big deal and uh, that actually fibroids are very common. Uh, we came to, to find out that you know, a woman walking down the street might have five or six of, of these fibroids, and they're usually the size of a pea and, uh, and really cause no, no problems. You, know, uh, you wouldn't even know they were there. Uh, but unfortunately, my wife's fibroid grew, which is a little uncommon. So As we kept going to the doctors for our routine ultrasounds, they kept noticing that the fibroid was getting larger and larger and larger. Um, towards the ed- end of her pregnancy, this cyst was the size of a grapefruit. Mm-hmm. So uh, our son was really fighting for some real estate and uh, and, and was out of room there in, in, in the uterus. So uh, through this process, we were transferred to a high-risk team. We had to move our, our care to a different hospital um, and, and we were uh, being seen by the high-risk surgeon. Um, who developed a, a plan that we were comfortable with for, for, for the birth. Um, the, the plan was uh, we were going to go in for ultrasounds every week as we got closer to her due date, uh, which was the end of February, uh, because w- we wanted to make sure two things happened. We wanted to make sure that the birth, the C-section, happened before he went into labor because the fibroid, the cyst, was blocking the birth canal. So if he uh, attempted to uh, a, a traditional birth, he, he he would be stuck here, and they were concerned about his breathing and and his vitals. You know, the traditional labor was was not an, o- an option here. Uh, and the other concern was the location of the fibroid, uh, which we learned if if the fibroid would would happen to be cut uh, by accident in the C-section, there would be a major blood loss and a major concern uh, for my wife's life so uh two major concerns so we really it was really important that we schedule this c section uh, a couple weeks out from from the due date um the pregnancy was very tough <clears throat> this uh this fibroid caused a lot of pain uh, my wife was was really in pain uh the the second trimester um we we kind of joked uh, she had a quote unquote easy first trimester <laughs> there was no morning sickness or anything like that and we I should say I, you know, made light of that and said, oh, this pregnancy thing is is a walk in the park. And uh, unfortunately, we, things took a turn there and and she had a very difficult and painful uh, second trimester. Uh, She was hospitalized a few times. Um, We spent a week in the hospital um, with with the fibroid pain. So this, uh, this continued. And unfortunately with this fibroid pain, obviously when she's pregnant, there's not a lot they can do. Um, You know, they couldn't give her much pain medicine because she's pregnant, obviously. Uh, And of course, they couldn't remove the fibroid um, or do much about it. So the medical advice was, unfortunately, you just kind of have to deal with this with this pain and and get through it. Wow. Uh, So one of the last kind of hospitalization and ultrasounds we had, they gave uh, my wife a premature birth test. I guess there's a protein that they can test for and that came back negative. Uh, so, uh, about a week prior to her inevitably giving birth, we were convinced that premature birth was not happening and that this pain was 100% fibroid-related pain and she was not in labor. So, that was the mindset that we had going into a Christmas Eve party. So, um, Christmas Eve, we go to my parents' uh, house for, for a Christmas gathering and uh, my wife's in, in some pain. She's uncomfortable. Uh, we now know this was labor. Uh, but again that was not on our radar and and not what we thought was was even possible um my 97 year old grandmother uh pulled my wife aside and told her that she goes oh, "honey you you look tired" uh so that was uh that was her way of saying you know something's not right here my my poor wife is having a tough time so we go home and the pain gets worse and worse and worse and i've i've heard this on on your podcast by a few other few other guests, you start to realize something's not right. And, and there's actually a problem here. Um, so fast forward a couple hours and my wife has had enough. She really can't, can't deal with this anymore. So we call the hospital and they tell us to come on in and, and they'll treat her for the pain. They'll, they'll see what they can do for the pain. they will do something. So we do not pack our bag that we have prepared. Um, Cause again, this is not labor, right? Yeah. Uh, and you have the test two o'clock. Yeah, yeah, we're we're convinced, yeah. and uh, we we head out. Now it's Christmas morning, maybe around 2 a.m. We're the only car on on the highway. Um, no nothing behind us, nothing ahead of us. We're to get off the highway. We're the only car in the city streets. Um, and actually, right before we get off the highway, my wife's water breaks, um, which was a very alarming, scary thing. And at that point, uh, we don't even know what that means, right? So we run into the emergency room now fully panicked um, and and are quickly brought up to the labor and delivery floor where we're told we do not have any time to call the high-risk surgeon, who of course is not there being it's Christmas morning, three o'clock in the morning now. Uh, We don't have time to do that ultrasound to check where the fibroid is. We got to go right now. We got to go now. We got to go now, right? So really out of a movie, we're running beside the stretcher, my wife signing forms and and it's a full sprint i'm throwing the scrubs on and and we head into the emergency ultrasound uh, emergency c-section so i'm sitting by my wife's head Uh, there's the big curtain here blocking um, the view as they perform the emergency surgery Um, and the two doctors there uh, save my wife's life and give life to my son uh, which was absolutely incredible Um, mentioning uh before you know what comes to mind uh about a movie right it's almost like uh this is happening to someone else you're kind of just watching all this happen there's not enough time to even process what's going on you're just kind of in it right um but my only experience this is uh, our first son our first child uh, my only experience with any direct childbirth of any kind is is from a movie or, or tv shows right and yeah what happens in those scenarios is the the wife smiles the music changes you hear the baby crying and, and the baby is given to to the mother the baby's laying on the mother's chest right and everything's good uh, and that didn't happen here the the room was silent uh, our son was not breathing um, you could hear a pin drop we just kind of froze um, the NICU staff, however, was in the operating room. I didn't know it at the time. All of a sudden, this whole crew of people uh, had been behind me the whole time. Um, The NICU staff, they take our son and they very quickly leave the room. Um, They go to an adjoining room and a door closes behind them. And uh, if I kind of move my, shift my weight, if I move to the right, I can kind of get a view of, of this door, and, and the door has a, a, a glass vertical panel in it, it. a little window, and, and through that window, I can see them looking down at my son. I can see them breathing for him with the bag valve mask, um, forcing his lungs and getting oxygen into him. And uh, what, what feels like maybe, maybe a half hour, uh, you know, might've been a minute, uh, but finally we, we do hear him, him cry um prior to that uh my wife was yelling is he alive is he alive and i was by her head saying yes 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 uh of course with no knowledge if that was accurate uh so hearing him scream uh gave us both uh, an unbelievable sense of of relief I'm, I'm sure my wife didn't believe me uh or, or or trust my answer we we had no idea what was going on right um so um In in a wonderful uh, sense of relief, Uh, we're told that our son is going to be transported upstairs to the NICU, um, and we would be able to see him in a couple of hours. Uh, My wife's still having some uh, complications from this emergency C-section, and the fibroid, she is obviously admitted to the hospital, and she spends a couple days as as a patient, um, and she's in recovery room for, for the next couple of hours, so I'm allowed to go in by myself first um, and, and meet my son. And walking into that NICU, uh, into that room, it's uh, it's quite an experience, right? Anyone listening to this kind of knows that overwhelming sense where you you don't know anything. You don't even know what you don't know. Um, you're just kind of uh, taken back by the by the weight of the situation, by the machinery, the the beeping, the the incubator, it's a very tough visual, right? The first time you walk in that room, it's, it's, it's really something. Um, I remember just being shocked at how small he he was, right? And, and how every inch of him is covered in, these, in these, this equipment that you don't even know what it's doing, right? Um, prior to this, I had no understanding what a premature baby was. You know, I, I, I think I ignorantly thought uh, the baby is born small and the baby grows, right? I had no concept of mm-hmm. the development and the challenges and and the, and and the incubator services that these these NICUs provide, right? Um, so that was that was our Christmas morning. Uh, walked out into the lobby now. maybe it was five or so, five or six or so in the morning. Uh, by the time I went out there and, and both my parents and my in-laws were there. Uh, a few hours later, our brothers and sisters and, and our nieces arrived, and our whole family had a Christmas morning breakfast uh, in, in the Nikki's lobby where where we would spend the next month.
0: Wow. What a Christmas. That's, uh... <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, when that, that, that first morning, um, you know, you spend some time with, with the doctors. Uh, they went through an explanation to me, of course, of all these moving parts and and what each machine was doing and and the oxygen and they kind of explain that EKG to you. Um, I I remember asking uh, every nurse or doctor who would come in. I remember asking, "Is he going to be okay? Is he going to be okay? Is he going to be okay?" And and Alex, you you may know they don't answer that question. No. Um, you know maybe one they don't know or they can't tell you or or maybe maybe secondly what does okay even mean, right? It's, it's, they can't answer that Absolutely. question. So um, I, I started asking, what should I be asking was my question because I, I realized you have no idea of this process. I don't even know where to begin. So I started asking, what should I be asking you right now? Uh, and I learned that was a, a good way simply to get them talking. They That answer seemed to be more timeline-based, which I really needed. You know, they would explain to me, okay, next we're going to do, a brain scan. After that, we're going to do this. Or after that, we're going to increase the feeds. After that, we're going to, you know, decrease the breathing. Okay. Um, so what should I be asking? And then I would follow it up with what else? What else, what else should I be asking? What else do we need to know? And I would keep asking that until they stopped talking. Right. But that was my way of getting the information out of them. Um, Cause that was the first couple of days. You just didn't even know where to begin. Right. You didn't even know what to do.
0: Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's almost you could almost describe it as someone taking you and dropping you in the middle of a country whose language you don't speak and you're just dropped in there and you have to fend for yourself and understand it and pick it up as fast as you can um, and and get mm-hmm. and get going you know for the sake of yourself and your family and your baby and it uh, and it's kind of crazy too how fast we pick it up. Um, and, and understanding how, you know, what things are. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and to use your analogy, which I'll point out, there are interpreters there. There are people that can help you. You just have to ask them, right? Which that was another uh, hurdle for me to get around. I remember the first couple of days I, I was turning my family down when they were asking to bring dinner or to go do our laundry. I was saying, no, 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 we don't need anything. No, no, we're okay. We're okay once it kind of settled that, oh no, we're not going home tomorrow, right? We're here for an extended period of time. I started having to uh, accept the fact that I'm gonna have to take some help here, right? So as a father, this is your first experience. You think you're supposed to do it all. You think you're supposed to take care of everything. You learn real quickly, you can't and probably unhealthy to even try, right? We we need the help. And as a man, obviously I think that's hard to accept in, in some cases. Uh, but the help is there. There are resources and people, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your friends, maybe it's the services provided by the hospital, right? But there are resources there to help us if we ask and speak up and then say yes and accept them.
0: Absolutely. I I think you, I mean, that could be, and I mean, I'm just sitting here hearing everything that I would like literally almost we had the, almost the same experiences on 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 certain things. Um, mm-hmm. Even with us having the test that came back negative, that we were good for two weeks. Um, right, but just
1: yeah. What what is that test? Come
0: on. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's called an FFN test. I, I I forget all the time. Um, but I think for us as dads and being, you know, here you're going through the pregnancy and you're you're waiting for that birth of your baby, and then to be thrust into this this nightmare of a situation. And then to, (laughs) it's so hard, you know, to ask for help or even accept the fact that you might need help, especially early on. And I I think you're absolutely right. And it, you know, as advice, I, you know, I, I, I think the earlier that you can understand that, that you need help and that you're not going to get through this by yourself, the better. Um, you know, I know for me, I'm was stubborn and it took me a long time. And, you know, all that stuff weighs on you after a while, as, as you know. Um, so you guys had, baby was delivered. Wife is recovering. Um, baby's in the NICU. What were the, what was that first week like for you? Like, what, what were you, what were you doing? What were you thinking? And, how soon before you knew that your wife was going to be okay? Because I mean that that stuff was pretty serious for her, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, we knew um, very quickly that that she was going to be okay. There, there was uh, another trip she did to the, took to the ER maybe the second week. Uh, she had an infection and, and some complications, but but they were minor. So the life uh, threat, life and death situation with her was was simply if something happened in the surgery. So she was going to be okay, and she was fine. Uh, there was a couple days, obviously, of recovery where she was, um, uh, you know, on, on medication from from the procedure, so unavailable at certain times. Um, but the the our focus, our focus was primarily on our son from the first minute, right? So um, thankfully, she was available and 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 okay, and our, our both of our primary focuses was was our son. Um, the first week, though, was was a lot, right? It's a lot of transition. And, and on day four, my wife was discharged as a patient. So day four, we realized, okay, we can't stay here in the hospital anymore, right? She was sleeping uh, in, in her room as a patient, and I was sleeping in the NICU on that uncomfortable couch. <laughs> So day four is when talk about taking help. Day four is when we moved her into the Ronald McDonald House, uh, which was right down the street and and provided an unbelievable um, service for us. She was able to um, breast pump and and keep the breast milk in in the freezer at the at the house and shower and sleep and maybe get a hot meal a couple times a day and and be at the hospital. Late at night and, and early in the morning because we didn't have to commute or travel we had the Ronald McDonald House right there. Um, again, I'll point out on on taking help. Early in our one of the first conversations my wife and I had early in our Nikki's day, when um, she had to go up stairs to her uh, patient room, uh, she told me, "Do not leave him." So we agreed that I would spend every night in the NICU and she would spend most of the days in the NICU. And we had this kind of system worked out in, in weeks two, three, four. Um, so I didn't leave the NICU, you know, other than maybe some trips um, and, and some errands during the day, but what we, we were with him uh, for the entire 30 days. So looking back on it now, um, I think that might have been a mistake. Um, there are signs all over the NICU telling you to go home uh, to rest. Um, There's a sign in our room that said, this is not a hotel. Do not sleep here. Um, And I did for 30 days. I didn't leave. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you you get some weird looks from the nurses like, what are you doing here? Right. Um, And I I put sleep in in quotation marks because, you know, as you know, every two hours, the nurses are coming in for feedings and, and, and different things they have going on. So, Um looking back on it, probably would have been healthier to to leave and and get (laughs) some rest and to unwind a little bit. Um but we we and I chose not to do that. And and, in the moment it was more important to me to be there um because we had the the way uh, we had the means to. We we could like I realized it was possible that I stay here this entire time. Again, this was our first child, we didn't have another child at home. We didn't have a dog at home. We, we, the, I I could take the time off of work, which was a, a, a wonderful blessing, right? So because I was able to, I felt like I needed to and had to. Yeah. And looking back on it now, I I I didn't need to, right? So I I would suggest any any father than Nikki right now, uh, to not feel guilty if you got to go for a run and leave and go uh, have a burger and leave and and sleep at home and come back right you, you need that time away There's nothing wrong with that
0: so you guys did a month in the NICU and were there any complications or anything like that uh during that month with either your wife or, or the baby or
1: um no other than again my wife had a a, a little infection the, the second week uh, and a fever so she was back in the emergency room for, for a day uh, our son thankfully had a minor little setback when they decreased his oxygen, the vitals didn't, didn't jive well, and they had to increase the oxygen, You know, a couple of minor uh, things like that. But uh, very thankfully, the brain scans were positive. He uh, did a great job gaining weight, right? So he, he went from three pounds to five pounds, a little over five pounds, and we were discharged. Uh, so over the course of the 30 days, um, the the staff, um, my wife and my son did a great job of increasing the feedings, decreasing the medical support, right, and and it all kind of worked out smoothly uh, for us to be discharged uh, 30 days later. We went home at the end of January.
0: So, let me ask you something, and I, I see now that you've seen you know, where maybe not sleeping in the NICU for that entire time might've been, you know, not the best decision. Um, what was that like coming home? How tired, how how tired were you (laughs) once you got home? (laughs) And, and also too, what was that feeling like leaving the NICU, um, and knowing you're, you're taking this baby home and there's not a NICU staff there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll point out, uh, you know, this weekend is Mother's Day, so um, I can't say I'm the only person that was tired. My wife also <laughs> didn't sleep for those 30 days, right? So, yeah. yeah, we we took that drive home from the NICU. We drove home very slowly, uh, <laughs> probably the slowest we've ever driven, right? Uh, we, my, my wife sat in the back seat, and we double-checked that car seat, you know, 10, 10 times before we, we headed, headed out of there. Uh, certainly, certainly was scary, right? Like we, we were confident and comfortable, but, um, the, the NICU staff did do a great job of uh, in the last, certainly the last week that we were there, they, they increased our responsibility, right? So we, we were holding him more for the feeds. We were doing all of the changing of the diapers, right? So uh, not that it was, it's training or any great example of what life will actually be like, but we did feel comfortable that we could do this right um but yeah going home starting day 1 after not sleeping for a month uh <laughs> not not the easiest thing in the world uh but we we figured it out right and and that's kind of my 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 other takeaway is you adapt you figure it out uh if we could get through a month in the nicu we could get through uh a month at home is certainly easier right uh, certainly less stressful right so I leaned on my wife. She leaned on me. We both kind of watched our son and and he taught us a a lot. Right. And I I hope uh, obviously that we helped him uh, get out of there. So we really walked out of there feeling confident and comfortable and, and like we just really accomplished something. Right. I think getting out of that place is, is a huge accomplishment. You, you, you did it, you made it out.
0: Absolutely. And so you you celebrate the victory uh what was it like being at home coming down you know like you guys were getting out in january of course there's some things that we have to be careful with especially with the new uh you know nikki baby coming home uh what was that like for you guys that first year or so
1: yeah so it was a little interesting in that obviously covid was was a factor here right so uh, everyone is affected by COVID. Uh, I know we're not unique to that situation, uh, but yes, we came home end of January, we were more or less in quarantine because it was, a, you know, flu season and the NICU staff told us not to do anything and not to go anywhere uh, for the month of February and, and March, and then the whole world caught up to us and, and started doing this this quarantine thing, right? So um it, it was it was back to back obviously the the, the two-week quarantine here in new york turned into uh quite a bit longer than that uh so that was that was wild right our 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 parents that uh, that was our support system uh all of a sudden they weren't around uh for for a while as we were locked down with with COVID. um and that was a scary uh a scary situation it was almost like uh, what else can happen to us, right? We, we just got out of here. We were finally looking forward to being able to show our son off and have him meet our family. And then, uh, the, you know, the, the wool was pulled out from underneath us a little bit. Uh, but again, another example, uh, we got through it. Um, now things uh, here locally are, are pretty much opened back up. And, and, and our son is almost a year and a half now and, uh, and, and happy and healthy. And, and so are we. So, uh, another accomplishment.
0: That's great. Very happy about. Absolutely. Um, so I, what has life been like for you guys? Um, obviously, you know, you understand everything that you've gone through and all that you've accomplished with, with your son, um, with Benny, right? Benjamin. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, uh, so you and Lindsay, what, what's it been like for you guys, um, Let's say life after the NICU.
1: Yeah, so I I will point out that it's it's a it's a challenge, right? I mean, when you when you have this traumatic stress happen to you, um, you know, what I've kind of realized maybe even in the last couple of weeks is well, Alex, just because I had a premature uh, child, in no way means I know what your experience was like. You and I, although maybe they're similar, we had very different experiences, and we're gonna walk out of those experiences being different right uh, I, I don't know what it was like for you i know what it was like for me right right and what i realized is my wife had a different experience so even within our marriage we walked out of the NICU having different experiences uh, she felt very differently obviously through the pregnancy and 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 the connection with her son and i had a completely different experience so you know the the, the stressors uh, are different um what each other needs is different right the support that i need is is different than the support that she needs um and what we had to work on and realize is is how can we give that to each other how can we support each other uh respecting what the person had just been through uh so a little bit of an adjustment period um as we kind of figured out you know we we transitioned right we became we went from husband and wife to to a mom and dad, right? So we we have a different relationship now, and we had a an experience that was very unique uh, for each other that we had to uh, adjust and, and be able to give uh, our partner what what they need to uh, to to get by through to to get through it.
0: Yeah, that's that's super important. Um, you, that's I can't. Yeah, that's that's really important, man. Um, I know it's hard. And I see it in NICU parents in the relationships, um, you know, whether it's on the mom's side or the dad's side, you know, we all deal with trauma in a different way. Um, and some of us completely different. And so it's very hard for us, especially when you're going through it to understand what your partner might be, you know, going through also. And sometimes you see relationships get stronger from a NICU stay. Sometimes you see that, you know, things get worse, uh, but it's, it's really hard and it's so important if you can just understand that for, for each other, that, you know, we all handle it differently. And um, you know, yeah, it's, uh, I'm so glad you said that because it's, it's something that, well, even on, on this end, you know, for us being NICU dads that we don't talk about, um, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I think, and that's probably 80% of it is, is talking about how you actually feel or even knowing what you actually feel right so uh personal experience i was shoving everything down everything everything's fine everything's fine everything's fine he's okay he's okay everything's fine right uh but maybe maybe i am worried maybe i am concerned maybe i actually need this and this and and therefore i uh, need to work a little bit on giving her what she needs right so um being open and honest and vulnerable and having conversations not um not uh, it doesn't come easy to to dads uh, or or men in general, right? So um, if you can, that's that's very important as well, for sure.
0: Yeah, super important. Um, so you know, a lot of times we go through the NICU stay. We have life after the NICU, and for for some, there's you're so grateful, I guess, for all the help that you did get, and you see. There's a, a want sometimes to to give back and help others and and do uh, some volunteer stuff and and things like that, especially around the NICU. Mm-hmm. You guys are involved in some stuff. What, what can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. We um, I just recently became a, a board member of our local Ronald McDonald House. Um, the Ronald McDonald House um, was really wonderful for for our family. So. Um, we uh, have a few different projects working on. Um, we have, uh, we were cooking meals for for the house um, and, and for the guests there, which obviously became a problem with COVID. So uh, we're really back to the drawing board now as things are opening up and, and trying to figure out how best can we help in a in a post-COVID world. A lot of things still aren't possible here, but. Um, Yes, yeah, uh, being uh, volunteers and advocates for the Ronald McDonald House is going to be a, a big focus of us in uh, in, in 2021 and, and in the future.
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, so I've our family, my family also is an ambassador family for the Ronald McDonald House. And can you describe what your experience might have been without the Ronald McDonald House?
1: Yeah, certainly a lot different. So we live about an hour away from the hospital. Um, So without my wife being a minute away from the hospital, you know, would have added uh, an hour at the beginning and end to each day, would have been a problem for transporting the breast milk. It it would have made every single thing harder. Uh, I also think without the Ronald McDonald House, my wife would have left the hospital at 5 or 6 p.m. instead of 10 p.m., right? And she would have got to the hospital at 11 a.m. instead of 8 a.m. And it was really important to us that we be next to the incubator and with him as much as possible. I I think that the amount of time that we spent in the NICU is why he was discharged at 30 days and not 60 days. I, I don't know if that's medically true, but that's <laughs> how I feel. Right. Um, so yeah, without the Ronald McDonald House, we're we're there half. The, the amount of time that, that we were. So the Ronald McDonald House gave us the opportunity. It made it possible for us to do what we felt like we had to do, right? So it, it made us, uh, our job of being parents, the Ronald McDonald House made, made it possible. Uh, I'll also add, we have, and we're lucky to have an amazing family. We had our, our sisters cooking us lunch and dinner and doing our laundry and helping, um, there was many guests at the Town House that did not have that because they were from out of town or, or certainly didn't have the, the, the support there. And the volunteers of the Town House and the donations stepped up and, and filled that void. So uh, the Town House provides a great service for everyone and makes the situation 10 times, 100 times better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you 100 uh, percent. I don't I don't think people it's, it's almost unimaginable, uh, unless you go through it. I mean, and and even then it's, I don't even think you can put it in really into words, you know, on, on, you know, the credit of, of, of what they do uh, and how mm-hmm. important it is for us NICU parents or kids that mm-hmm. are, that are having surgeries and stuff in the hospital. Um,
1: yeah. And there's volunteers there around the clock 24 yeah. seven there's volunteers, which, uh, again, a year ago, a year and a half ago, I didn't know it existed. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I've I've been to McDonald's my fair share of times, and I used to never throw the change in the Ronald McDonald House <laughs> jar. I, yeah. I will admit, I didn't do it; It wasn't on my radar. Um, and now I I go to McDonald's too much, and I I do put the change in the jar. Right? Uh, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah, I, we, we owe we owe them quite a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it it's a completely different feeling now when you go and. You almost feel a little connection. Anytime you step into a McDonald's, you're like, yeah, this is part of us. This is
1: right. This is, Sometimes uh, I wish it was a salad bar, but, it, <laughs> but it's McDonald's. So, uh, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, through, through this NICU experience and, and everything like that, and, and that you saw, um, and experienced, what, uh, what advice would you offer, um, current NICU dads or, or even past NICU dads? Um, you know, that guy that's, in there for the first day
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you know, also the guy that's been in there and, and is out now, uh, what kind of advice would you give them?
1: Yeah. So, um, there's the Ronald McDonald house, family room, in our, in our NICU, or there's a lobby or most hospitals I, I'm aware have, have some space for the, for the family. Um, my advice would be to talk to the other fathers, the other mothers, the other family members that are there. Um, I remember the second or third day when we were in the hospital, my wife and I um, were hugged by another mother who we come came to find out uh, later was dealing with a situation a lot more challenging than ours. And she was hugging us and making us feel better. The parents rally and support each other. So uh, my advice would be to open up and you will be helped by talking to the other parents, right? That, that, team atmosphere. They, they, they are there. The parents need each other and, and can help each other. Uh, my second piece of advice would be, again, ask the doctors, what should I be asking? You don't know what you don't know. What should I be asking? And then, um, uh, again, to bring it uh, around, my last piece of advice would be go for a walk and leave. Give yourself the, the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, that's one of the things we were talking about before is that self-care uh, and mm, it's, it's and so, it
1: really it sounds like what you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And I I didn't do it. I should have.
0: Yeah, uh, I didn't either. And mm-hmm. um, well, let me let me ask you this. So do you see anything that you carry around now uh, from this experience that, you know, you notice or you see and you're like, you know what, that's the NICU or, you know, that's that's something.
1: Yeah, so, you know, a, a little bit, um, I and this speaks to the COVID in general, I have a desire for there not to be any problems, right? I feel like we just got through uh, a nightmare that I very much want to be over. Um, so I, I think I'm, um, you know, not as patient as I should be with with the challenge that life does throw at you, right? So I'm, I'm quick to go back to that high stress, anxiety level of, well, we got a problem here. I got to fix it. I got to fix it. I got to fix it. Right? Um, you know, I share with my wife uh, a couple months ago, the the, the microwave beeped uh, and my heart rate jumped and I, I heard the NICU machine beeps, right? Just the microwave going off, put me back there for a, a second, right? So again, whether you like to admit it or not, I think you walk out of that place a little different and taking the support from your wife or partner or family that are there to help you can help you immensely if you are open to it.
0: Absolutely. That's always some great advice. And, you know, if the guy that slept in the NICU for 30 days uh, tells you to get out and take a walk, (laughs) you you should get out and take a walk. Uh, Maybe not a long walk, but uh, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. You definitely got to take some time for yourself, especially when, once we get home, uh, you know, a lot of that stress is is on us. So a lot of guys don't realize Mm -hmm. that they just look at getting out of the NICU, but it's almost like you need to train for for that time when you come home because uh, it's not over once you get home. Uh,
1: yeah, the, the NICU is the preseason. Yeah. You get home, and that's when the actual uh, dad work starts, right? Yes,
0: absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. If 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 everybody would just focus on it like that, that would – man, yeah, you want to definitely be stronger once you get home, and I think we all do the exact opposite. Uh, for me, I was sleep-deprived, and we did 67 days in the NICU, and, and it was – it was rough. And yeah. knowing that, and, you know, hearing this from guys that have been in it, take our advice guys, you know, if you're new you dad, take care of yourself, you know, your wife's going to need you, your baby's going to need you. And, and uh, you, you want to make sure that you're ready for that, uh that season of, of coming home. Cause it's, it's, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a lot of work. Well Dan, I appreciate you sharing today and, and sharing your guy's story. I'm so glad to hear that Benny's doing great and that you guys are have, you know, really bouncing back from being in the NICU and look forward to all the things that you guys are doing. Uh, so glad you're working with the Ronald McDonald House and you know, such a great organization but uh, I can't thank yes. you enough. Man. Thank you,
1: Alex. No, thank you. And again, I'll, 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 I'll say it again. I, I found your content when I was in the NICU and you were the only voice uh, for the NICU dad that I that I could find. So uh, thank you for putting that all out there and, and for this platform, you're doing a great job.
0: Oh, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Once again, please take a look at the com. We continue to grow the list of resources we are bringing NICU dads. To my fellow NICU dads, Good luck, and remember, you are not alone.